0: Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960.
1: The Fan.
0: Happy Draft Day. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan, we kick it off here with Hockey Central at noon. A tough act to follow after the, uh, the replay of the mock draft, but we'll try our damnedest to follow that up today as we lead you up to the National Hockey League's draft day one, starting at 5 o'clock. I'm Peter Klein. Um, back at the Iconic Studio, powered by Iconic Electric and Controls, is Logan Gordon and Riley Pollock today. Uh, let's get right into it, though. Let's chat with our Flames insider, Peter Labardius.
2: Flames Insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
0: Lou, it's not often I get to do my draft prep while watching the Major League Baseball playoffs, but thus is in 2020. Um, How are you on this glorious, glorious draft day, sir?
2: You know, I'm great, and I'm really, really excited for the draft tonight. I can't wait to see how things play themselves out, whether it's moves during trade-ups, trade-downs, potential trades, and just, you know, more importantly for me, Peter, and it's always the case, is I've I've just had great fascination in scouting, um, you know, evaluating. It's one of my favorite things. And, and one of my favorite things about um, how I go about my business is just, you know, and hockey's not the only sport that I find myself doing this in, is I like to, you know, watch the journey of young players come along. Usually at 15 or 14, you know, in that neighborhood and see how it progresses and try to guess in early viewings, how these players are going to pan out and how they're going to get to tonight. And have you watched a first rounder of, you know, for me, it's not always generally trying to place them after I watch them the first couple of times somewhere in a draft, but it's more about Oh boy, I see something. And and I think this guy's got a chance to play, whether it's, you know, at the junior level in particular, or obviously projecting towards the NHL. So, uh, I love the draft and feel a little more invested in this one for whatever reason than I have the last couple of years.
0: Yeah, and this one, obviously, we've had a little bit more time to prep after we thought we'd have to scramble uh, back in June to, to get things ready. Um, a, a draft process like no other, and hopefully like one uh, like no other, we'll have to deal with again. But as we sit here on draft day, the Calgary Flames are sitting with the 19th overall selection. Uh, a, a lot of people projecting that that's where they will stay as the, the day goes along. And for an organization that's graduated a lot of young players, players to the, uh, the, the NHL level, I think that there are a few different ways they can go. Um, where, now that we are just five hours away from this thing starting, where
2: are a couple of places you think they might be able to go? Well, we've talked about it a couple of times. I could see this scenario for the Flames, depending on their love affair in the grouping of players that they have at that spot. But what we don't know, Peter, is we don't know, because this happens almost every year, and I'm going to guess it's going to happen tonight, where in this draft, how I would put it to you is there's probably what I would call a top 12 or 13. And, and you would really like to find yourself in that particular mix. Um, but it's a good draft. It's a really good draft for forwards. So, but as we've discussed, as you know, a few times where the Flames are concerned, to me, there's, there's different tiers of defensemen. So there's Drysdale and Sanderson. And one of my great fascinations tonight is to see which guy goes first and to where. So that's that's one thing I'll be watching in earnest and, and very closely. And in the case of Jake Sanderson, son of former longtime NHLer Jeff Sanderson, who... I remember being in this very situation in his junior days. So what that means is I'm old. Uh, So now I get a chance to see, and and I've watched his son since he was 15 and at the edge and playing for team Alberta at the Western hockey league cup. Um, So that's an interesting one. Then to me, there's, The next two on defense, and that's Caden Gooley of the Prince Albert Raiders and Brandon Wheat King's right-handed, old-school, hard-to-play against, somewhat Travis Hamanick-like in Braden Schneider. And then there's others. And then there's others. And one of those others who I've been thinking about, and Kelly asked me about him a couple of days ago, is Justin Barron. Now, Justin Barron, Peter... I'll take you through my Justin Barron story a little bit. Um, I was in Edmonton in the fall of 2018 and watched him at the Holinka Gretzky Cup. And within three shifts of seeing him for the first time and watching him skate and carry the puck at what is now, you know, he's 6'2 and 190 pounds, I was very blown away by his skating and his ability to rush the puck rush the puck and in fact going into the start of what seems like a hundred years ago he and drysdale talking about Barron, were probably the two highest projected and i you know when i watched him four times in that tournament um and that's not a lot of times to watch but there was a lot of A lot of great skating, rushing ability, could really shoot the puck. At that point in time, I thought, you know, average defender. Um, But I saw a top 10 guy. Well, last year, a couple of things happened. He had a blood clot. So he didn't play very much. He didn't play very much all season. And so his numbers really tailed off. I had an opportunity after watching him in... 2018 in the fall, I made my way to Halifax to watch him play at the Memorial Cup. And again, liked, liked his game was concerned a little about his ability to defend and maybe to process the game. And in the scouts and hockey people that I've talked about, um, you know, what's the right answer? Now, if you're the Flames, is there a need for, potentially another right-handed defenseman in your system? Yes. Can this guy skate like the wind? Yes. In fact, he kind of reminds me, albeit different size, Peter, of a combo in some ways between Noah Hannafin and Oliver Shillington. So, hmm. um, so in Noah's case, Noah has every physical tool you would want every single one um but to this point and i'm trying not to be critical listen this is a guy who's played almost 400 games and he's 23 years old so he's a good player and he's a top four player you know all day long depending on your team but he hasn't necessarily put up big offensive numbers and i see justin barron who has rave, rave reviews. You know, a young man from Halifax. I have yet to meet somebody from the Maritimes I didn't like. Um, There's rave reviews about him as a kid, a character. He's gone through some adversity. There's no question there's some upside. It's his ability to kind of process the game. And so remember, if you go back to Oliver Shillington's year, The similarity is in terms of just if you went and watched Oliver skate and move around and rush the puck, at one point, Peter, before there was some questions about his character, he was thought to be a top 10 guy all day long. So Barron is kind of somewhat in that same neighborhood and in the progression of Oliver Shillington, who doesn't have the size, but again, is he an elite skater? Oh, ridiculous elite skater. Has he been able to kind of, you know, make his way past uh, not in the lineup or a third-pairing player to this point for the Flames? He has not. So Baron and I've seen him in a couple of mocks, um, being picked by the Flames in that spot at 19. So just somebody to think about. And if I was to take a defenseman outside the group of four that I've referred to, that's probably the first place that I'm gonna go. And remember when you're putting a team together, it's 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 yes, you're looking for the best available player in that spot and there's gonna be options and good options. That's the exciting thing. Maybe not necessarily somebody that, you know, is what I would call a for sure top four, or a for sure top three or even top six. So they're going to get a good player there and they might get a dynamite player, dynamite player. Yes, Nats dynamite. Um, She just mocked me as she walked by. So, Um, so, you know, Justin Barron and there's lots of guys for the flames to think about there. So he's one guy I wanted to go back to that. Well on today.
0: That's if they go with the blue line. Well, what about forwards? Uh, This is a team that could use a a bit more forward depth as well. Are there a couple forward options they might go with
2: at 19? Uh, Can I tell you about too many to add on this program, depending on exactly (laughs) what you want or what you're looking for? Um, You know, groupings... Grouping is very much the same. Um, You mentioned that our mock draft, and I hope for the people listening, we did an okay job again this year. Uh, I'm sure I enjoyed it more than our listeners, but uh, hopefully they did too. So Sam had that pick in that spot, and even in Sam's most recent, talking about Sam Cosentino, who you will watch on Sportsnet's television draft coverage, one of the best in the business at what he does, um, he had Connor Zeri of the Kamloops Blazers in that spot. And Connor is a left-handed shooting center iceman who in terms of his progression, Peter, has is, is been exactly what you would like. And, and progression really matters. So he's gone from you know nearly 30 points to 50 points to this past season, he had a breakout year at 86. Um, I really thought he was terrific. In January, in the top prospects game, he was one of the best players in that game. He had three assists and was a huge difference maker. He makes plays. He's competitive. He's what I would describe as a very good two-way center iceman. The only knock, and it's a knock at this point in the people that I've talked to and you know just what I've observed myself, Again, watching him since his 15-year-old season is skating. Skating is something that comes up. He actually reminds me a tad of Sean Monaghan. A tad. Um, Hmm. You know, like when I think about Sean in Ottawa in his draft year. Now, Sean went sixth overall and has done a lot of great things. Um, But remember, Sean was... It's crazy, the evolution of Sean, because in junior and in his draft year, Sean was more known, frankly, Peter, at that point in time, as being a playmaker, not necessarily what we've come accustomed to, you know, Mr. 20 goals every year. So I see this this kid is an excellent playmaker, great vision, like his compete. And again, when you think about Sean, well, Sean's worked at it but you'd never say Sean's an elite skater so right. that's so that's one guy in that wheelhouse um, there's there's some great right wing possibilities again the problem for the flames is you know guys I love on the right side you know are obviously my favorite right winger in this draft is Lucas Raymond And I'm not sure Lucas Raymond might go out of Sweden as high as four. Um, I just, I don't see him ever sliding anywhere. That would have to be a trade up. I like Alexander Holtz. He is an excellent player. Seth Jarvis, who had 96 points with the Portland Winterhawks. Um, Could he potentially slide there? I like Jack Quinn a ton from the Ottawa 67s who went from 12 goals to 52 goals. Uh, Dawson Mercer from Newfoundland who had a great year and ended up helping Canada win a gold medal at the World Junior Hockey Championship. So there's some great, great right wingers and you know the Flames, you know, they don't have a lot of right-handed top six potential wingers or forwards in their system. Again, are you going to end up? I just—I'm not sure any of those guys are going to fall there. So, so Zary is a guy. Um, another potential wild card, seeing that we went a bit of a—I don't know if I Justin Barron's going to go in the first round. It just—it—it's how the Flames would feel about taking him at 19. And you know, what I don't know for sure is Peter. This is going to be a draft where let's say the flames the flames are going to have great forward options what i don't know is there there's lots of guys to fall in love with there but it's going to have to be someone like i said that you know from the outside looking in is going to have to rate really high so even if i go back to last year i'm not sure a lot of people had the flames taking jacob pelche at 26 on draft day but they did and they did because they loved him and and they saw an opportunity and he's off to another great start, highly competitive. Um, and I think he's a guy that's going to play and he's going to play for sure. So, you know, Zeri is a guy that comes to mind. And another wild card for me is a Russian and his name is Rodion Amirov. Really blew me away last spring at the under eighteen world championship. He's a winger, left-handed shot, can play both sides. Really smart, gets in and out of good places as far as he sees the game offensively. Peter, he reminds me a little of Kucherov. I I Mm. like I, and again now, I one of the reasons I don't like. I like comparables because it gives people something to think about. I don't like comparables with those kind of high-end people because generally there's only one of them. But remember, Kucherov was also, like, he was a second-round pick in his year. And he. this guy did a lot of things that I was very impressed with. Um, I watched him five or six times again i haven't seen him in person i've only seen him on television to this point my travels just haven't allowed that uh the canada you know russia series that they have every year leading to the world junior uh he he's off to a great start already in the khl in st petersburg so but the other stigma is you know with russian players that gets tricky you know where, where are they in their own contract scenarios? Is, is it someone that you know enough about to trust? That's the thing about first round picks. Um, you know, not everybody gets them right and not everybody's going to get them right tonight. Even the great drafts of, you know, 2015 or especially 2003, not everybody got all the first round, right. But at a time where especially with the salary cap and the finances of the business it's hard not you know if if you're a TMP and that's the other thing if you're watching or listening to our draft coverage tonight if you're Ottawa and you have three picks or you're Jersey and at this point you have three picks guess what you can take some swings because because you've got some more certainty if you know if you know where I'm going mm-hmm yeah, you have a bit of a safety net there if
0: uh, if one of those home run swings turns into a strikeout. Um, yeah, chatting with our uh, chatting with our Flames insider Peter Labardius here on Hockey Central at noon. I'm Peter Klein at home, back at our iconic studio powered by Iconic Electric and Controls. Is Logan Gordon
1: Lou? There's not much discussion when it comes to the first overall pick. In some years, it's you know even further than that. There's not much discussion within the first three or four picks. We generally have a pretty good idea of that and. But this year it seems to be a little different. It seems like the intrigue will probably start with the LA Kings and what they do at number two. There's lots of talk about the big center and Quinton Beifeld, but there's also the German and Tim Stutzla that, you know, fit nicely in there too. Do you have a feel as to where it starts to get interesting with the Kings at number two there?
2: Oh, it gets, it's beyond interesting. Uh, interesting places for me, Logan starts right there. And As time has gone on, and the more I've researched, the more I've watched, the more I've talked to some people in the game, Stutzle has really drawn higher reviews. Now, he's he's a very dynamic, left-handed shooting winger, center iceman. He's already running, you know, a power play off the flank with men in the German league where he was the rookie of the year last season Um, and where he really moved onto the radar screen, at least for me personally, is at the world junior. So when you are a difference maker at 17 years of age, and you you do that at the world junior, you're certainly going to catch my and everyone else in hockey's attention. And why Stutzla really blew me away is Logan, think about it this way. So he had five assists in the event and germany played in a pool that just happened to feature canada the united states russia and the Czechs. and he was impactful every single game against one of the best pools that i have ever witnessed in watching the world junior going back to 1978. so he really to me answered a lot of questions and put himself in this neighborhood. Now with Byfield, Byfield is a specimen. He's six4. He's already 220 pounds. Um, the overall skill set, when you talk about somebody that size, with the speed, he's got soft hands. there's one player that he reminds me a little of at that point in time, and that's a guy who plays in Pittsburgh. That's Evgeny Malkin. Um, so that's the physical skill set. Here's the, here's the only drawback for me. Whether I watched him for the first time in person at the 15-year-old OHL Cup a couple of years ago in Kitchener, whether it was in the final two games last August in the Helenka gretzky Cup, and whether it was at the top prospects game and at the world junior where remember byfield made the team at 17, but in, in the later stages of that tournament guys, he was not only just kind of moved down the ladder. We didn't see him very much. So, but I can't deny like the overall physical package is unbelievable. So that's what, for me, is why between those two guys, you know, one guy probably, if I had to say, okay, you're going to have a game tomorrow and you need one, I'm going with the German. The problem is in terms of projection, and there's no doubt, both guys are going to play and for a long time. That's, if you've ever wondered why scouting is hard, it's conversations like this that keep GMs up at night.
1: And my last one for you, Lou, and it's uh, it wasn't on our list of topics today, but I thought it was important to touch on here. And and that's the Ottawa Senators here with, with four picks in the top 33, two in the top five today. And, you know, this is a franchise that's gone through some hard times, but, you know, is potentially going to reap some rewards for those hard times. <clears throat> Excuse me, today... But it's also interesting because, you know, when you get into a draft like this that's so important for the future, you know, Pierre Dorian company might be drafting for other people to, you know, get the success if they're not part of the organization a few years down the road. What do you make uh, of Ottawa's day today? They'll pick three times at least uh, right now in the first round and then early on in the second round. You've got a lot of chances to add some quality pieces in a pretty deep draft here if you're Ottawa.
2: Well, Ottawa already has, Logan, some great young pieces in their cupboard. Like whether it's players who have already started like Shabbat and, you know, needless to say, some young man by the name of Brady Kachuk, whether it's a Brandstrom that they acquired in a deal, um, whether it's Batherson, whether it's Logan Brown, um, there are a lot of very nice pieces that the Ottawa Senators, to their credit, have been able to assemble. And today is a day that if they get it right, more often than not, I think the Ottawa Senators right now, unless it gets mucked up, and we know sometimes things in Ottawa get mucked up, they have a chance to really start making some inroads they are going to get excellent players at three and five they have a pile of picks in a great draft that is deep and it's and you talked about how many they have before the pick of 40. they have a chance to get four players today who are going to play and when you can do that i always think logan the mark of a good draft let's using seven picks and we don't always get seven picks or teams don't get seven, but if you can hit on three, well look what the flames have done recently. Just go back and take a peek. You know, when you start, when you hit two that play and three or four, and you start to string that together in your program Some good things can happen. This is a potential franchise-changing day for the Ottawa Senators. And they're already, I think, in pretty good shape. It, it certainly feels like a turning
0: point either way, um, and uh, a draft that they'll be talking about in Ottawa for a while. Uh, Lou, uh, genuinely thrilled that I get to chat with you about draft stuff every year. Uh, we do have to, to put a, a stop to it now today, though, as uh, we, we are up against the clock. But thanks for doing this today. I can't wait uh, to break it all down after the, the draft is done. Okay, one. Did I mention
2: Hendricks LaPierre yet? Uh, no, you have not. Okay, Hendricks-Lapierre. Keep that in mind when the Flames pick at 19. Forward, Shakunami, like Baron, lots of injury woes. Incredible at the Holenka. I wouldn't I, – I will be – there will be two fist pumps potentially. I won't hate it if it goes that way. Let's put it that way. Bye, uh, guys. Awesome stuff. Bye. Talk to you later. Flames insider Peter Lubardius brought to you by the Gemini Group. Imagine your life, your style, your home renovation should be a reflection of you. Give your home the Gemini difference. Visit GeminiGroup.ca.
0: Love draft time. Love chatting with Lou about draft time. Uh, we're going to have a lot of draft coverage for you throughout the day. Also, do want to remind you, this is our third year partner uh, partnering with Iconic Electric and Controls. We are proud to welcome them on board as the official Sportsnet 960 The Fan studio sponsor. They have been involved in many Flames broadcasts. We got NFL stuff with them. Countless on-air giveaways over the years. Iconic is proudly owned and operated from Western Canada since 2008. Take great pride in giving back to the communities they all work and live in. They have focused their support on the areas they are most passionate about, including KidSport, Flames Foundation, Airdrie Minor Hockey, Rocky View Rage Lacrosse, Junior Mounties Lacrosse. You can visit iconicec.ca to find out more. More on today's draft and this offseason with Eric DeHatchik next as Hockey Central at Noon continues on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960. The Fan. We continue on draft day here on Hockey Central at Noon as we welcome in our NHL insider, Eric DeHatchik. Uh Eric, it's a, a little bit later than we're used to for draft coverage with it being October and all, but uh, how are you on this fine draft day?
3: Great. Yeah, looking forward to it. I, you know, I started going to draft like 40 years ago when they were... Uh, when they were in Montreal and, uh, younger guy, single, uh, and, and the, you know, the bars are open pretty late in Montreal. So, uh, um, I was writing guilty a lot, I guess is what I'm trying to say in those days. And, uh, <laughs> lots of water under the bridge since then, but this year's draft was supposed to be in Montreal back in June. And I have to tell you, you know, the nostalgic part of me was really looking forward to, uh, to doing it, you know, probably one more time. And, uh, so, uh, like a, an awful lot of people, um, when the draft was originally postponed, was disappointed for a lot of reasons, including the fact that uh, it's such a great city at that time of year, and it has such a history when it comes to the to the NHL draft that I thought it would be a very fun experience. So this is different. You know, we're in a we're in a different world, and and the comp the complications of, of conducting this thing virtually what the impact of that will be on, you know, on, on trades that sometimes happen. I mean, it's just, it, it is just logistically going to be harder. I mean, you know, I've, I've spoken to a, a fair number of managers around the national hockey league in the last 14 days, let's say. And, you know, inevitably towards the end, it's like, how do you manage it? And, you know, on the one hand, you know, everyone has a cell phone and everybody has everybody on speed dial so you can reach someone fairly quickly. But in, in the old days, you could, you know, you had a phone on the table and and you could wander over to someone's table. To, to, I mean, it's just it's just easier when everybody's in the same room. I mean, that you know that that's self-evident, I think, to to most people. And so so how it affects what happens on the floor today is is one of the things that I'm very interested in because I I, I think it, it it will be challenging. And I think that if you know if you have something cooking, you have to pretty much have it you know 99% nailed down because you only have a few minutes between picks to. To finalize any moves that you make. So fascinating to see how it all plays out, and um, yeah, uh, can't can't wait for it to start. To be honest.
0: No, no late night trips to the bar in Montreal, but the home bar never closes, so uh, there's that at least.
3: (laughs) You know what? Um, Really good point.
0: (laughs) (laughs) See silver linings. Um, uh, with the the draft comes normally a lot of player movement, but uh, are you surprised at how quiet it's been now that we're less than five hours away from this thing getting going?
3: Uh, well, in in a way, no, uh, because I think that one thing you'll you'll if, if you if you really go back and look at the the history of the last say handful of of, of drafts, um, th- there hasn't been as many like really knock them out of the park blockbusters as as, as 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 you might think. You know, for sure, you know when when Calgary traded Dougie Hamilton to Carolina and got you know the package of players that included you know Lindholm and Hanson coming here, that that was. That was rock'em, sock'em. I mean, that was that was a big deal. But but I think you know again, if you talk to the managers, part of the problem, and and it's exacerbated this year, is that um, that everything is a little bit backwards. I mean, it's always backwards. But but look at it this way: there's there's a ton of guys that are going to be free agents on Friday, right? That, you know, qualifying offers have to be made by I think tomorrow. Uh, I, I think the expectation is that that every team is going to have two or three guys just because of the financial restrictions that are being placed on teams that, that they might have qualified in the past, but they may not qualify right now. So you don't know what the landscape is going to look like on Friday. You know, there's a bunch of really good players going to UFA, and, and a whole bunch more will unexpectedly become unrestricted free agents. So if you're a manager today saying, okay, am I going to invest an, an, a tangible asset in in a player and make a trade when when I don't know what's going to be available on Friday, I know some of what's going to be available on Friday, but I don't know what all is going to be available on Friday. And so I think everyone is being careful and cautious. Um, and then again, that that that's been fairly common the last three or four years, but it's worse this year. And uh, and I think that that's you know that's why we've had this gridlock in this, this last little bit. So. You know, will one move open the floodgates? You know, in the past, we've always thought that, you know, here comes, you know, here's one trade and here comes the rest of them and and it doesn't happen. So, you know, I I have a feeling that it's this whole process is going to be a bit more protracted than a lot of people think. There'll be the draft today. There'll be the opening of free agency on Friday. You know, I, I think... You know, the, the, the big names will come off the board fairly soon, but there's no, you know, there's no courting period. And then and then I think the, 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 the smoke will sort of settle a little bit and then teams will, you know, have another look at what's available and see if there's a fit there. And then so, you know, we're, put it this way, we're not going to be on holidays as quickly as we think, because I think that, that, uh, that there will be stuff that spills into next week. So today is the beginning. Friday is the continuation but I don't think that, that, you know, sort of the, the shake and bake of version of what's gonna happen is gonna be wrapped up until, you know, this time next week or even a little bit later.
0: Chatting with our NHL insider, Eric DeHatchik here on Hockey Central at noon. I'm Peter Klein and he is Logan Gordon.
1: Eric, has the uh, amounts of buyouts of fairly substantial contracts over the last few days and and even today surprised you with the the flat cap that we're expecting for at least the next few years to see guys like Abdul and and Alsner with you know multiple years left on their deals yet opening up cap space, but you know somewhat surprising to see this amount of buyouts at least from from my perspective. Do you feel the same?
3: No, no. Actually, I, I thought I, I, I thought that there there would be more to be honest with you because again these teams are are making these decisions based strictly on finance, right? And so in the past you might have said you know well let's carry the, the contract in the minors for a while because. Because you know, like it, it, it doesn't count against our cap, and and you know the, the the team managers weren't getting the same marching orders from owners about reducing, you know, cash considerations. And that's really what it comes down to. That you know, in in the past, we always focus on on the cap number of a player coming your way, and and more and more managers, and I can tell just from the way they talk, they're they're aware of what the cap hit is, but now they're also aware of of what the cash component of those contracts is. And and it's, it's really interesting. The dynamic has shifted a little bit. And so, you know, for example, if, if somebody has uh, you know, a contract that, that you know, where the, the cap hit is, let's say 4 million, but uh, the actual dollars are, are 2.5. I mean, Devin Dummick is a great example. So the cap hit is, I think, 4.33. 3. The actual cash is two five. Minnesota picks up half of it. You know, San Jose is getting a guy who's, won a lot of games in the National Hockey League over the last eight or so years for $1.25 million in cash. Again, the cap is, is different, but in terms of actual dollars that they are paying him, I mean, he might be the one eight goalie there for 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 like $1.25. I mean, they know, like a very small sum of money to pay for someone with his experience. So more and more of that thinking is penetrating National Hockey League front offices. And one of the ways it's, it's taking effect is you know we're we're, we're simply we're going to buy these guys out and and we're going to give them you know x amount of dollars but we in the end you know we're not paying full value on the contract and that that's that's really i think uh a, a, a significant motivating factor in, in in what we're seeing and and it's going to have a ripple effect on 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 transactions going forward um you know there's a bunch of budget teams i mean don waddell you know god bless don waddell and caroline he just came flat out and said you know what Whenever he can save cash for his owner, his owner is very happy. And there's a lot of GMs that are getting the same marching orders that are just not prepared to say so public, but publicly. But you know, with Don, has to say, God bless him. He's he, he's a pretty good uh, he's pretty good about uh, about just saying what everybody else is thinking.
1: Well, let's uh, let's quickly dive into. Uh, you mentioned Devin Dubnik and the San Jose Sharks yesterday. We see two deals go down. Two separate deals. One that sees Ryan Donato on his way to San Jose to join his former goaltender in Minnesota with Devin Dubnik there. Bill Guerin continues his uh, change and putting his own stamp on the Minnesota Wild. I, I guess some confusion maybe as to what the, the role plays in San Jose. I suppose Donato, a younger forward, and you mentioned obviously the potential to have a, a cheap 1A option in Devin Dubnik, but uh, interesting to see Guerin continuing to make moves and and San Jose trying to, to make some changes this off season, at least.
3: Yeah. Well, so, you know, so let's start with Donato. I think there's an awful lot of people that, that just don't really know what, what he is right now, because I think when he was coming through the ranks as a prospect, you know, the you know son of Ted Donato, that, that, that people felt that, you know, he there was a possibility that if he, if, if his game continued to grow, he could be a top six forward in the national hockey. League. So that hasn't happened yet. Um, and I don't watch them closely enough to know them, but you know generally when it doesn't happen it's because there's an inconsistency in the player's game i mean you know teams want these guys to succeed right so they give them the opportunities to succeed but eventually coaches start cutting back the minutes on guys that they feel you know are not going to provide them the kind of consistent hockey that they want to see so uh, a lot of times you know a team like San Jose that has room in the top six for a guy is just going to you know say, look, let, let's bring him in and see if in our situation and the opportunities that we're prepared to present him, he takes that next step. And that does happen sometimes. I mean, think about Elias Lindholm. You know, he was a guy in Carolina that was shuffled, you know, up and down the lineup and from this position to that position. And, and you know, since he's arrived in Calgary, I mean, he's a, he's a you know, bona fide First line guy in, in in my mind, so I don't think the Donato is going to become Lindholm, but they're going to give him the opportunity to be more than he has been, and it probably seemed to them that the at the cost of a third round pick, someone that probably isn't going to be in your lineup for three or four years, if ever, uh, you know, good value there. You know the goaltending, obviously, with the amount of dollars they've got committed to Martin Jones, you know they they can't afford to have, tie too much up in a backup, and you know Aaron Dell, who's from this area here, I guess in in their evaluation. At one point, he was getting it done, but but they've determined that they, I think they want a more experienced guy to fall back on. And I'll be honest with you, I'm a Dubnik fan. Like, I think I think he's going to be good there. And I think he's going to have a chance to, well, I, I mean, if they're playing next year at all, I think an awful lot of teams are going to have almost 50-50 tandems. And that's what I see happening in San Jose. Unless, Unless something dramatic happens there, both of those guys are going to get an opportunity to play. And, and both will have to, you know, play at, at the level that they were at a few years ago. I mean, you, you can drag out your NHL stats from two or three years back and, and find a year where where both of them are among the top five wins guys in the league. Hasn't been that long. Now, you know, time takes its toll on everybody, but I think they believe that they can get something out of Dubnik for in this final year, and then they're going to reassess in twelve months' time.
1: It's obviously not every year that we go this quickly from the draft to free agency, but. I found it interesting that so many of the top-name guys and even uh, a lot of the maybe more unknown guys but are the lesser level of free agents still haven't had a whole lot of movement as far as re-signing with their teams. Do you think that this is just kind of a, a runoff effect of having the draft here in the middle of the week and then free agency coming Friday, teams going to see what will happen during the draft and any potential moves they make and then maybe circle back to a... A Petrangelo, if you're St. Louis, or a Markstrom, if you're Vancouver, kind of wait and see how the dust des- uh, the dust settles after this next two days.
3: Yeah, I think this is more driven by the players themselves and, and their agents. I think what the agents are telling the players is, we've come this far, and so there is uh, unless unless the team, you know, in, in the two examples that you cited, Vancouver for Markstrom and St. Louis for Petrangelo, unless they're prepared to step up significantly more than what 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 they've done, we we know where they stand. And we think that the market is going to, um, you know, provide more. And so, you know, again, we're, we're talking about a flat cap situation. We're talking about a, an era where, you know, dollars are tight. And yet the expectation from what I'm hearing is that those top guys, because there will be a bidding war for their services, are going to get paid the way, you know, the top end free agents normally get paid. So if you're if, if you're in on Markstrom and you see Leonard sign five times five, you think to yourself, well... You know, he's a really good. That's a really good comparison. And yet, you know, Leonard signed with the team that had his rights, and Markstrom's going to market. So you better be prepared to go six by six on Markstrom because somebody's going to. And if and if he's if he's at the top of your uh, acquisitions list, you're 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 just flat out going to have to pay more than what you think. And um, and so I think that as I say, it's driven more by the, the players. You know, what's the difference now? You know, it's Tuesday you know, free agency is Friday, you know, let's, let's, let's see what's out there. And, uh, and then you have a clearer idea. And, and once in a while, once in a while, it backfires, right? Where So, you know, player goes to free agency. Um, the agent has, has assessed his value at X. And then all of a sudden nobody wants to pay X. And now you're, you know, like you, you missed that first wave and you're stuck and, and, you know, months pass and, and now you're looking for a one-year contract and you're just hoping to get a job. I don't think that's going to happen for the top top end guy. Hall will get his money. Petrangelo will get his money. Marksman will get his money. It's that next level of free agent, because as I said earlier, you know, the the field is going to be complicated by an awful lot of what I would describe as middle-class NHL players um, that are all suddenly looking for work. And, um, you know, it might be one of those uh, things where it's a, a buyer's market. And so you might be able to pick up some pretty good value for a pretty good price. So, it, those are the players that I would be most concerned about if I was a representative. And those are the guys, by the way, that, that should be taking what's on the table. Like, a, you know, if you're a middle class NHL player and there's a contract offer on the table and it's not an insulting contract offer, if it's if it's fair value, you know, I'd be saying, where's the pen?
0: Uh, Eric, awesome stuff as always, sir. I, I'm thinking we're going to have a couple things to talk about when we, uh, we do this again later in the week.
3: All right. I, I'm looking forward to it. <laughs>
0: All right. Thank you very much. There is our uh, NHL insider, Eric DeHatchuk, joining us Tuesdays and Thursdays here on Hockey Central at noon. And he joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, now open for limited dine-in service with all safety precautions in place. Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar, the best pizza past the steaks and ribs since 1975 at 6060 Memorial Drive in the Northeast. We will break a quick segment to wrap up Hockey Central at noon on draft day here on Sportsnet 960 The fifth. Hockey Central at Noon on Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Putting a bow on Hockey Central at Noon, I'm Peter Klein. Back at the station is Logan Gordon. Uh, Also, Riley Pollock is running the board today. A very busy day, obviously, with the NHL draft coming up. At five o'clock, but do quickly while we have just a couple minutes here to to wrap up Hockey Central at noon, uh, a couple buyouts, as we've discussed today, Justin Advocator is gone from the Detroit Red Wings. I'm assuming neither of these guys get claimed off of waivers. I'd like to just put that out there. Uh, But also Carl Alsner from the Montreal Canadiens. I think I know the answer to this but with almost any hockey related thing both of these guys are probably going to be looking at smaller much 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 smaller contracts logo is there even a little bit of interest from a Flames perspective in either of these guys for you
1: Oh I I don't know uh maybe Alsner, maybe based on a you know the the former Calgary connection for for him there but it's been a rough go since he he came to Montreal. And, I mean, look, uh, Justin Abdelkader certainly had a, a strong place in this league and in Detroit for a number of years. But, I mean, ever since he signed that contract, and, I mean, you're just looking at the numbers of the past two years, this is the past two years, six goals and 16 assists in 120 games. That's not going to get it done if these guys <laughs> want to find a spot. You're talking league minimum. You're talking PTO at this point for for veteran guys. There's going to be other options there. They're not to the point where I think they're entirely done in the league. But I mean, they're going to have to show some some fire as to you know wanting to get another full time NHL contract. I I would have to think that this would be well down the, the line before mm-hmm. a, a team like Calgary would look at, at either of those guys.
0: Yeah, I I think I'm with you with the the Alsner one, Uh, like he would be the most realistic and I'm putting both of them like under 20% possibility. The only reason I would say Alsner is like, this is a team that paid Michael Stone twice last year to be their their seventh defenseman. Um, So if, if you just want to give Alsner league minimum to be a designated popcorn eater and maybe play a couple of games if someone's a little banged up, but you're not afraid of calling up someone from Stockton to leapfrog them. If there's a, a bit more of a substantial injury, um, I don't mind that one. I, I don't mind advocator for like an Ottawa or someone like that, who just kind of needs an adult in the room. Yeah. Um, I, I don't hate that sort of a move, but I, I think, yeah, I, I think that the days of either of these guys being super productive is, are gone. And it's too bad from an ulcer standpoint, because he was great for a while. And then just all of a sudden seemed to hit a bit of a wall. And from all accounts, a really, really great dude. So uh, hopefully he lands on his feet somewhere. Uh, But today, all about the National Hockey League draft. Today and tomorrow. uh, Listen before, that would be now. During, that would be later. And after, that would be much later, for in-depth analysis you can respect from the home for hockey in Calgary. The first round today at 5. Round 2 is at 9.30 tomorrow. Tune in for the full details on the prospects as they get ready for the next step in their hockey careers. Your NHL draft coverage here on Sportsnet 960. The fan brought to you by sml entertainment make this time at home with your family more exciting with pool tables pinball ping pong beachcomber and caldera hot tubs and more visit SMLEntertainment.com. time for us to take a break more draft coverage as we head into the big show what are the flames looking at at 19 plus some fantasy football talk just to break up
2: the hockey in the one o'clock hour a lot to get to as we head into the big show on sportsnet 960 the fan